Today, we have two very special guests joining us to talk about fundraising. Trish DeWald brings several years of experience as a professional fundraiser in both the strategy and implementation. She joined Phoenix Innovate in 2018 as their executive vice president of their nonprofit division. We also have Jim Tedford, the CEO for the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement and my boss, and he has 35 years of experience working in animal welfare, not only in the nonprofit sector, but also in the corporate sector, and a significant amount of that time working on fundraising. So I'm really happy to have them both with us. So how are you guys doing? Oh, thanks for having me. You know, all things considered, doing pretty well. Really making the most of this time, being at home with my kids and my husband and our dog, but uh, not really sure she likes having me around all the time. The jury's still out on that one. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have worked from home for most of the last 15 years, so I'm sort of an expert at self-quarantine, maybe at, as it is. So this is really not all that unusual for me. Probably the biggest challenge is that I've now gone for two months without getting on an airplane, which is really feels very, very bizarre. Yeah, grounded. <laughs> We're all grounded. <laughs> well, we're hearing a lot of concern in the animal welfare sector centered around fundraising. Uh, you know, what do you guys believe are the top three most important things that shelters should be doing right now with their fundraising strategies? Yeah, it's a tough time, right? So the top three things that we here at Phoenix Innovate are recommending that animal welfare organizations focus on right now are one, to communicate, two, be sure you stay on message. And three, take this time to be evaluating and planning for the future. So um, let me expand on those just a little bit. So when I say communicate with your donors, make the ask. History has shown us with both 9-11, 2008, 2009 market recession, that our donors want to support us. Those that are committed and connected, they want to help us help the animals. All we have to do is make the ask. Two, Stay on message. Your donors, they came to you to help, help the animals. Continue to share examples about what those donors mean to your organization, but to the animals. Show them stories from the front lines. Show them before and after shots of your pet pantries. For, um, for animal welfare organizations across the nation, this crisis is really affecting your operations dramatically. So share this with your audience and be really clear about what needs you might have now that are unique and special because of the COVID situation. And then, you know, a quick word of caution about that, right? We just had the CARES Act enacted. Let's avoid the temptation to tout the tax benefits very heavily. Gotta stay on message. We don't want our donors to feel like they're a transaction to us. We're giving to you to help the animals, so stick with that core messaging. And then finally, now is a really great time to be assessing your engagement and fundraising strategy. Think about what steps you can take right now to be more effective coming out of this and then really set yourself up for long-term success. I, I totally agree with all of those points that you made. I think the only thing I would add to it would be it's a really good time to kind of rebalance our fundraising priorities and, and efforts. I think we, we as an industry have tended to be fairly heavily dependent upon things like special events in our fundraising strategies. And clearly for the foreseeable future, events are not going to take on the same meaning that they may have for the last several years. So, you know, think about how you can replace those events 
events or change them, move them online, make them virtual events. I'm hearing from a lot of our colleagues in animal welfare that they're having great success with like virtual walkathons and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's, it's a good time to really think about that, not being so heavily dependent on events, but thinking more about direct communication with your donors in, in any form that you have at your disposal. So I, I, I couldn't agree more with Trish that communication is, is key. You know, I, we've always said that the best way to not get a gift from a donor is to not ask for one. So during a time like this, there's this temptation to pull back and, and be sensitive about asking, but they want to hear from you and they want you to ask. And, and those who can will continue to support you right through this crisis. Yeah. I mean, look, 2020 is turning out crazy different than anybody had originally planned or anticipated. So when we think about the time that we have right now, how do we set our organizations up to come out on the other side of this well prepared for that long-term success? So we're talking uh, here at Phoenix, we're talking with a lot of our animal welfare organizations about what they can be doing right now to add more insights about their donors to help inform that messaging strategy. Um, especially in the, in the absence of those events. But we know from our experience that when our donors are, are deeply and emotionally engaged, their commitment goes up. And so that's what we're always looking for, that commitment, those connections, and all of that, that leads to wallet share, right? And that's what we're looking for right now. Um, and, and now more than ever in this time of crisis. So when we think about adding those insights, we think about utilizing research as that powerful tool that will help us to understand all of those aspects about what you do, what it is about your particular animal welfare organization that's gonna create those, those connections, those bonds with your donors. And then we take those insights that we gain through research to, to be really specific with the messaging based on the donor's unique affinity to your organization, not just what's happening, right? And then I think another thing, when we think about setting up for success, all of our donors have different journeys with our organizations. And we're suggesting that all of our organizations take this time to journey map a touch point, the, all of the touch points that your donors might have with your organization. So plot those interactions, start with acquisition, right? It's not all events anymore, but start with acquisition, go through stewardship and your cultivation and your retention. And once you've mapped that trajectory, Let's look for opportunities to evolve that journey. Where can you diversify your acquisition events and efforts, right? Maybe you have three too many events. Uh, where can you improve that stewardship and your engagement by sending more or better communication? Um, is, it, is it more about your retention? I mean, thinking about all of those ways that we can be adjusting the strategy right now so that we can generate a higher return on investment. Trish, it, it's sort of intuitive at this point to sort of pull back on acquisition, looking for new donors. I think organizations are afraid of putting the investment in when they're not going to get an instant return on it. And of course, the, the concern there is what does that do to your donor file moving forward and, and down the road? What's your best advice in terms of continuing with your acquisition plan moving forward through a crisis like this? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't suggest to anybody to be easing up on acquisition right now, but we have to think about it a little bit differently with the challenges that we're experiencing. Um, you know, I like to focus on retention when we think about acquisition. You know, it's, it's really just another form of acquisition. And when we can improve our retention, we can improve the fiscal, the, the fiscal sustainability 
of our organizations. I mean, you've been at this for a long time, so I'm sure you know that the national average for getting a second gift out of that first time donor is something like 20%. But when we think about retention, I like to think about what kind of revenue we could be generating if we just increase this by 50% from 20 to 30%. And uh, we, just, we just did that actually for one of our animal welfare clients. But it goes back to the point about the messaging and the more that it resonates with your donors, the more likely they're gonna remain engaged and ideally increase their giving or give again. Um, and that's really why we help our clients to understand those triggers, those specific emotions that motivate the giving. So in short, retention, the new acquisition. How are we keeping those donors that we've been working so hard to get engaged in the first place? So Trish, I'm curious, what do you think Phoenix Innovate brings to the sheltering clients that they can't get somewhere else? Yeah, so what's unique about Phoenix Innovate is our ability to help our animal welfare clients to really understand those, those affinities, those emotional connections that are motivating your donors to engage. And then we develop individualized messaging that really it supports and strengthens that connection. Um, you know, I shared some of this with you when you were here, Jim, but every single one of our solutions is tailored for every client that we work with because as we all know, every organization is, is unique. Uh, this custom approach has really helped our animal welfare clients um, to see the results that they're looking for. One, one just saw a 50% boost in revenue. Um, and those results, we achieved those by really identifying and utilizing the information about what triggers, what engages. Again, it goes back to that emotional connectivity. And that, that, that information, it informs all of our strategy and all of our execution. So impressive. There is no one size fits all in fundraising. And I think, you know, we, we tend to sort of paint everybody with the same broad brush and there are different things that, that sort of influence decisions from different levels of donors and, and different levels of engagement. So I think that's really, in, that, that, that's a really smart way to approach it, to really kind of do the data analysis first, find out what makes these people tick and who they are, and then develop strategies for each of those subsets of donors. Right. I mean, donors, donors are coming to our organizations through a variety of channels, right? Those that are coming to us through our events, they're going to have a different kind of affinity than those that are coming to us for, through, for example, uh, foster or adoption or even through your veterinary services, right? And the more we know about our donors and why they're committed to us in the first place, the more effectively we can communicate with them. It goes back to creating those meaningful quality engagements that drive the behaviors your organization's looking for. And it's what, do donors, volunteers, adoptions, engaged and committed folks. So Trish, you've got quite a history as a professional fundraiser yourself and, and have a really successful track record prior to even joining Phoenix Innovate. I'm curious, I know this isn't the first time that you've seen some sort of an economic downturn. What, what do you think are, is, is sort of different about this one? And, and how would you recommend that folks navigate through it? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, don't panic, right? As we said earlier, we're going to come out of this and when our donors are connected and committed to organiza our organizations they want to keep giving um you know when i think back to my early years as a fundraiser i, I think i put quantity over the quality of communication and, and we know that this is not going to return the results that we hoped for right it's really that was more about trial and error right send it to everybody and hope that i get uh, some sort of quality return on that investment 
uh, I wish I would have known then uh, that I could have invested more time in really learning and utilizing those triggers that we've been talking about that motivate every one of my donors to give. I could have been so much more strategic and really targeted in my approach. And, uh, you know, I think it would have returned better results. I think a lot of organizations in the animal welfare world rely pretty heavily on direct mail as a, a tactic for fundraising. But, but in this day and age, we're all also having to look at the digital world. What are your recommendations of, of sort of digital engagement tools and strategies that, that organizations should consider? Yeah, I mean, we know right now more than ever that people are engaged with our screens. I mean, look at us, right? We're having this virtual conversation. Um, so if your organization is using digital platforms, keep using them. Uh, they're a great ways. Uh, you think about email, social media. Those are a really wonderful way for you to be connecting in real time with your donors at home. And that's a special, special opportunity. Um, one of our animal welfare clients has seen a 45% increase uh, in revenue through their email since the beginning of this year, which is really, really exciting for us. Um, but I'll caution, I mean, going digital alone isn't going to drive success. For example, if your organization doesn't have a digital engagement strategy with your donors, if you, if you don't have those tools and those resources, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't deploy something brand new out of left field. The key here is to really understand your donors and what channels they prefer. And then again, most importantly, develop that targeted messaging that's going to resonate with them individually and then activate that result, which is giving. It's great advice. You meet donors where they are and, and where they're most likely to respond to you. I think that's something that we we forget sometimes. Again, they're individuals. This is not some big herd of, of sheep. They're all individuals who have individual needs and wants and, and interest levels in your organization. Curious what strategy you recommend for lapsed donors. I think that's, you know, the, I, I've always said that anybody who's ever given to your organization is still your best prospect. So for, for another gift, and even if they've fallen off your file and they haven't given in a while, what do you, what would you, how would you recommend folks navigate lapsed donor retention or, or re-engagement rather during this crisis? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Jim. I mean, lapsed donors are always worth pursuing. We got, we got them in the first place. Right. But, um, you know, they're not all the same. So, for example, when we think about like a traditional definition of a lapsed donor, we think about the, the date of their last gift. But what if that donor only made one gift and it was a ticket to an event? They're not going to have the same connection to your organization as a donor that's been giving regularly year over year through different appeals and recently, for whatever reason, has stopped giving. And so that's where we can use as many of those insights to help inform the strategy for success. So once we've done the basics, we have to make sure, right, that our, that our data is clean, that we've removed the deceased or those that have moved and we haven't been able to find. Um, then we look at what else we know about that lapsed individual. For example, do we know if they came to us through an adoption event? Maybe they're a cat person or a dog person or a bird or a horse, right? Maybe they just love coming to your gala or march. Maybe they gave in memoriam of somebody or perhaps, you know, it was a friend's birthday and they wanted to honor them with that gift. All of those individuals are going to have really different entry points and conversations that are important for you to be having with them. And so at Phoenix Innovate, we like to take that information and develop unique and individualized messaging strategies so that we're more likely to gain their attention again and help to uh, reestablish that lost connection, get them re-engaged. 
Well, this has been really informative and very helpful. Uh, Trish, how would you recommend that shelters plan for the future in fundraising? Yeah, now is a really great time to reevaluate and to assess your current fundraising strategies and then compare it to what's available. What aren't you doing right now? And I'd go back to what we said in the beginning, communicate, stay on message, and plan for that strong future because we're gonna come out of this. And if you're planning right now, you're gonna come out stronger and more prepared to continue serving the animals. That's fantastic. Jim, do you have any words of wisdom you wanna share? Uh, I, I can't beat that. I think exactly what Trish said makes perfectly good sense. It's really a matter of kind of c continue to communicate and stay the course. I, I think the worst thing that an organization can do right now is to back off. And, and there's a, I think there's an, an, an innate tendency to want to do that. You know, we don't want to bother people when they're already in the midst of, of dealing with some, some challenges, but, but they want to hear from us. And I think that we, we, we have to remember that. Well, we hope that we will continue to hear from the two of you moving forward. Thank you so much for your insight and your advice. A lot of animal welfare organizations are really gonna benefit from your wisdom. So thank you both. And we look forward to continuing conversations about fundraising. Trish, have a good time up there in Michigan. Jim, stay healthy and well in Tennessee. And we will talk to you very soon. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you.